Howdy folks, and thanks for tuning into this episode of Rediscover the Winds, a Wyoming history podcast, and the last episode in our mini-series that we've decided to do this month. I'm one of your hosts, Zach Larson. And I'm Kirsten Michael. Both Zach and I work for the Fremont County Museum System located in the heart of West Central Wyoming. Using artifacts from our three museums and interviews with experts, we're here to discover and in some cases rediscover the quirky, the heart-wrenching, the fascinating stories of Fremont County, Wyoming, and the American West. On our last episode in this mini-series, we talked to Bonnie Lawrence Smith, who is the Wyoming State Coordinator for Project Archaeology. It was an awesome interview, one of many awesome interviews we've done so far while sitting at the National Association for Interpretations Conference in Denver, Colorado. And this guest, or actually these guests, were probably, they had some very interesting views, and I very much enjoyed uh, interviewing them. You say very interesting views like they're like conspiracy theorists or something. No, they're just very exuberant. Yeah, they were really fun to talk to. Disclaimer, they also gave a presentation at NAI and it was all about getting millennials into museums and interpretive sites. So do with that information what you will, but listen here because their interview is up now and it was awesome. I go first. (laughs) My name is Rachel Roth and I am a naturalist at the Great Plains Nature Center in Wichita, Kansas. And I like birds. Thank you for that, Rachel. Yes. Um, My name is Lindsay Ryan. I am also a fellow naturalist at the Great Plains Nature Center in Wichita, Kansas. And I like fungus. What exactly is a naturalist? That's a great question because I I had apparently it's like a philosophical thing too, which is not the naturalist we're referencing. And somebody one time was like a little bit offended that I said I was a naturalist. And I was like, no, 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 it's my job title. Did I tell you that? No, <laughs> I don't know anything about this. Anyway, it basically means what? We're nerds. <laughs> so <laughs> fine, I'll answer a real answer. Um, it means that we are a number one public resource about natural science issues, especially local national sci- or natural science topics. Um, it also means that we are educators. So we take that knowledge base and we use it to promote natural ecology, local ecology, mm-hmm. as, as opposed to the unnatural ecology um, in our community. And we try to inspire people to actually care about these things that are local and in their backyards and draw attention to the things that mm-hmm. they don't even realize are there and tangible and they can see it and experience those things themselves. That's super important for a place like Kansas because, I mean, mountains in Colorado mm-hmm. are very charismatic. You know it's not charismatic? Grass. Yeah. <laughs> but Kansas, Kansas. <laughs> that's the perception so we're like battling all this stuff but we're both very fortunate to actually love where we live and where we work mm-hmm. we're both prairie girls we've had many conversations about this but yeah so we just love getting to infect other people with a love for an ecosystem that gets overlooked and underappreciated so did you guys know this was the field you wanted to go into or did you just like happily fall into it Great question. Um, mine happened to be a happy trip down a flight of stairs. Okay. <laughs> what happened to me? Um, Literally? No. Oh, okay. Well, I don't know. <laughs> um, so for me, it didn't start out like this. I knew I wanted to go into a biological field. I originally started out as pre med. Turns out I don't like people. <laughs> Plants are Just, much more. Yeah. Decided, um, yeah. decided to change my route. Um, and then I worked as a. Um, 
research assistant for the university that I attended. And I learned that I got more happiness out of teaching people about things that we were researching, why we were doing it, why mm-hmm. it was important, why they should care about it. So I switched tracks a little bit and I went into, I got a master's in science education so I could teach people things. Mm-hmm. And originally it was going to be, or lead me to maybe a college level teaching or secondary education teaching, but I struggled with that. And I was fortunate enough to work part time at a discovery center, Ooh, which yeah. got discovery center yeah, for the win. which got my foot in the door for interpretation, which led me to the position that I'm in now. So very fortunate. Awesome. Pretty much the same story for me. Um, I would think I would add on to that. So, but for me, it was like um, pre-veterinary stuff because I figured I like animals. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what do they tell you? Your options are, and and I'm like a city girl. I did not grow up like hunting, fishing, angling. Mm-hmm. That's the same thing. Um, <laughs> doing doing a lot of those kinds of activities, and so I didn't really perceive the natural resource field as something that I could get into. Um, but yeah, I kind of accidentally found out that I really love getting to kind of infect people with my excitement about stuff Mm -hmm. and being like an interpreter of natural sciences it really has this crazy marriage of like art and science which for me really gets me going because I'm one of those like I played the oboe and I like to draw on the side and I liked to make videos when I was a kid and stuff and so like I have a lot of creative energy too and Mm -hmm. it's just a really cool way to kind of combine all of my interests Awesome. So what kind of projects are you guys working on right now at your org? (gasps) A pocket guide to mushrooms. Oh, yeah, that's me. (laughs) Um, I'm currently working on writing a pocket guide. And a pocket guide is just a little pocket-sized booklet that you carry around to help you identify things that you're not familiar with. And it teaches you a little bit more about them. And I'm in the editing stages now, and it should be out hopefully by the end of the year. And I drew the mushrooms. Yeah, and Rachel illustrated the groups of the them. groups, yes. Um, we, we're also right now kind of in a technological renaissance at our nature center mm-hmm. in Wichita. So we we've been really passionate about connecting to people online. So like kind of like what you guys are doing here with your podcast, except we're starting way later than you. <laughs> so we've got a couple of podcasts we've been working on. We like making videos. We started a TikTok account a couple months ago, and now we have like fourteen thousand followers there. Dang. And I didn't even know that I liked TikTok until two months ago. So. You know, a lot of a lot of those kinds of social media and just like kind of goofy slash educational mm-hmm. outreach forms that are online. Okay, so I technically fall in the millennial category, but yeah. what is TikTok? No, here's the thing. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> That's it's not a millennial thing. That's why none of us know about it or think it's cool. It's, it's a, a Gen, Gen Z, Z thing. thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's definitely geared for younger generations, but TikTok has recently gained in popularity because older generations are getting involved with it. And um, a recap of what TikTok is, it's a media app that allows you to create and edit short videos. And, and they're hilarious. It yeah. was so funny. Like, did, were you on Vine or did you, you were aware of Vine? Yeah, I knew it. Yeah, Vine. it's kind of like Vine repackaged, but like hmm. cooler, if that's possible. Cool. Yeah, and there's a lot of like Vine memes, like the audio mm-hmm. from Vines that are on TikTok still, still being used. It's really fun, yeah. Okay, interesting. So, and which also, I guess, brings me to why you guys were at NAI, because yeah. you guys presented. We did. Yep, we did. Well, for me, honestly, I've only been a part of the organization and really even aware of what interpretation actually is mm-hmm. uh, for about two years. 
So I was doing interpretation and I didn't know there's a mm-hmm. word for it. Yeah. There's a whole association. Exactly. Right. Yeah. That's where we're here for today. Yep. But yeah, I had the same situation. Like I was doing interpretive work before I knew there was a name for it. And I think maybe part of the reason is because it's a really like unwieldy name that also has a much more popular use, mm-hmm. which is language interpretation, right? Um, but yeah, like when I discovered NAI and I got certified to do this stuff, um, that was when I had like a giant light bulb that went off in my head that was like, oh my gosh, these are my people. This is what I love <laughs> to do. So yeah, we presented because, um, you know, we're, we're pretty passionate about these um, newer ways of connecting to people through mm-hmm. a resource. And I think a lot of people still kind of view our visitor centers as being like the first step for people when really like our front doors are now online. And so we were mm-hmm. presenting on that and other tips and tricks for reaching our own generation because we need to at least be reaching millennials because Gen Z is like in the workforce now, right? Mm-hmm. So like if you haven't caught up with the millennials who are turning 40, you've got a lot of catching up to do. For sure. So that was our topic. Um, also, we're both on the interpretive media section board as of like two weeks. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So I'm the director. Congrats. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks. And she's the deputy director. She being Lindsay. <laughs> I gestured, but your audience won't see that. <laughs> um, yeah, because again, like interpretive media is something that's really important to us. Mm-hmm. And we want to move beyond just like signage exhibit and documentaries, like full blown videos. Like we want to make this kind of media outreach more accessible to everybody because that's how I consume media, right? Mm-hmm. Right. That is where we go. Exactly. So, yeah. Awesome. Meet people where they are. For sure. And you would think that would be something that a lot more people in our field would take into consideration. But even um, there's the interpretive field and then there's the museum field and then yeah. there's where like we cross over because like we come from, we're very much museums. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We just happen to kind of have nature um, center attributes just because we're sure. surrounded by public lands and we do a lot of programs on public lands. There's a lot of like natural history that's directly tied to mm-hmm. the people that live. There. I mean, it's all connected. So yes, for yeah. sure. Especially because I mean, towns sprang up because of the resources around them. Yeah. Um, yeah. There like was. Yeah. Yeah. It's the confluence yeah. of the little and the big Arkansas River, which is how you pronounce <laughs> that river in Kansas. To avoid controversy, we refer to it as the Ark. No, I mean, that's true, but I'm just going to take a moral stance right now. In Kansas, it's the Arkansas River. Anyway, but yeah, that's like the reason our whole city blew up. Blew, you know what I mean? I forgot what that train <laughs> That train derailed. I was like trying to get back on track, and then I was like, I don't really know where your thoughts were going originally with how our worlds connect. So in regards to NII, you yeah. don't really hear a lot of museums being here. It's a lot of state parks, um, nature sites, outdoors kind of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's really funny because when I was talking to somebody the other day and they're like, so what site are you with? And I was like, Dubois Museum. And they're like, museum? I was like, <gasps> really? we do interpretation too all the time. Oh, that's sad. I had the pleasure of meeting a gentleman who I've forgotten his name. I've met a lot of people. But <laughs> he works for a penitentiary. And he does interpretation there. And they've actually hired previous inmates. Like an active penitentiary? Uh Uh-huh. Whoa. Whoa. I thought you meant like a historic one that's like haunted or something. Nope. It's active. (laughs) And they actually hire previous inmates to come out and do interpretive work. I mean, that's cool. That is awesome. Yeah. It's definitely interpreting from real life experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. Well, yeah, and I've met a lot of museum people too, but I definitely notice, and probably less so than you because you're not part of the natural world, but mm-hmm. it's definitely skewed toward natural resources right now. And 
I wish that that would change mm-hmm. a little bit. Like I've heard a lot of comments about that and seen a lot of feedback on like our little discussion boards and things that are happening because the way we interpret should be relevant both to... Mm-hmm. And it really is. And that was something a few times my coworkers and I have noticed that some people are talking about like what this kind of conference thinks is really like new and shiny and stuff. And I was like, museums have been doing that for a while. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh my gosh. It's yeah. like, why don't they know about this? We need to let them know about this. Yeah. And that's why, okay. So like we presented, mm-hmm. okay. We've been like a part of this organization for like two years, mm-hmm. right? Or maybe three. I don't know. But here's the thing. I think a lot of us that have valuable information to share that we're seeing is being missing from some of the discussions, we've got to start sharing them. Like, okay, mm-hmm. you said you're a collections manager. Mm-hmm. I would so go to a session on collections management. So like, okay, we're at a nature center. I know. Here's the thing. We're at a nature center. And for some reason, I'm the only one there who has any experience with a collection. And all I've done is stuff birds and manage bird collections. Hmm. So I have no idea how to manage biological specimens. We just discovered that there's a pest inside our rodent drawers. Mm -hmm. And I'm so upset about it, but I don't know how to take care of it because it's in my office. And all the pest control things are like, don't use this within human reach yeah or don't use it in enclosed spaces right yep. and it's like well i live there in my office and there's two mm-hmm. other people and a hispid cotton rat that live there too you know like so okay. i i don't know how to do accession lists and stuff like i don't know how to manage huh. a curation whatever like i have an excel spreadsheet but it's kind of garbage and that's really interesting because i mean i go to all kinds of museum associations like mountain plains museum association the midwest museum association and that's pretty much all you get is collections care and like really? collections management oh. and how to connect collections and things like that that's but so here i don't even think that'd be a potential yeah topic yeah. well and i yeah that's interesting well we're a nature center mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so maybe like you know being the association of interpretation we feel like we have to keep it on the interpretive side of things but there's plenty of sessions that are about like logistics of how to mm-hmm. run your volunteer program and other things that are relevant outside of just interpretation oh yeah, yeah. and uh, a lot of us nature centers even though we're not technically museums because we're not in the museum world we don't get access to all those resources now it'd be such a cool mm. thing that museums could offer us okay my brain just exploded we're gonna have to cut this off so i can go brainstorm no um i actually do have a few more questions but i really am enjoying where this conversation suddenly went but to get back to the questions uh uh, so and that might be something that actually this question refers to is what are some of the challenges you face in this field people suck sometimes yes Am I allowed to say that on your podcast? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Just checking. We we love people. We love the public because, I mean, that's what we do. Yeah. Why we do this is for the, the public. Yeah. Right. But sometimes it just takes one person to rain on your parade. Yeah. yeah, it does. I think that's true for any kind of customer service type position where you're, especially if you're representing a public agency. Mm-hmm. There was a really cool Kimberly Frazier who's freaking amazing. She runs the Blackfooted Fairy Ferret Recovery Program Mm -hmm. in Fort Collins. Um, She said something earlier where she was like, I work the Fish and Wildlife Service. My job is to protect and conserve these endangered species on behalf of the American people. So, Mm -hmm. like, my job is to serve you. If you want a Blackfooted Ferret Carcass for your museum, call me, I'll send you a carcass. Like, (laughs) It's amazing. Yeah, but it's like... I don't think sometimes the public realize that, that ultimately, like, we're stewards of these collections. We're stewards mm-hmm. of these locations, the landscapes, the animals within our education, ambassador collections, things like that. 
because we're keeping them on behalf of the people we serve Mm -hmm. and we're not trying to be enemies of that or keep things away we're trying to preserve it so people can have access to it and that's like our ultimate goal in life Mm -hmm. Uh, for me one of the challenges that i've noticed in my line of work is that people think we know everything (laughs) yeah and we don't and they get upset when i can't answer their question because i don't know everything there is to know about badgers or bats because my area of expertise in fungus, yes, I know a lot about everything, but I'm not an expert on animal behavior or mm-hmm. things like that. So yeah. um, I think that can be a real challenge for me sometimes because I don't have all the answers and people expect me to. So I feel like I'm letting them down mm-hmm. and then they have to outsource it or figure it out on their own. And there's a fair chance that they're going to have or find misinformation on the internet somewhere. Yeah. Which is unfortunate. Is I that- think that lack of understanding of science, especially for our fields, mm-hmm. is kind of at the root of a few of the problems we have when it comes to interacting with the public, unfortunately. But we're trying to help people connect to that world. Yes. And so like I said earlier, is the people are why we do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the challenges are immense sometimes. And I, you, you two, I think, are the sixth and seventh person we have interviewed today. And when I asked this question, what are the challenges you face in the field? It's been really interesting, the variety we've gotten. but. Yeah mostly at the core is like um, getting people buy-in, getting the public support, um, and just having this understanding between what we're doing, why we're doing it, and who we're doing it for. Mm. Yeah. But on a more positive side, (laughs) what is your favorite thing about working in this field? Oh my god. Getting to rant about phalaropes at any given opportunity. Also getting to blow people's minds about how dinosaurs have bird lungs and things like that. Okay. Yeah, I love blowing people's minds, honestly. (laughs) Plus, I feel incredibly privileged to work at a site. And so our site sits in a park that's 240 acres. And I can just go out there and take a walk and look for stuff and take fun pictures and post about it on the internet. And that still counts as my work hours. Like, I just get to go out and hike around and run into people on the path and be like, hey, look at this really cool parasitoid wasp. It's going (laughs) to murder this caterpillar and pump it full of some eggs. Like, (laughs) It's, I love it. Or here, have a pup ball. Now poke it. Poke it. (laughs) That's one of the reasons I love my job is because, yeah, you just get to go out and talk to people. And yeah, Yeah. hiking is part of my job. So Mm, I really enjoy that. And often I think our jobs are just literally just sharing our favorite things with people. And that's Mm -hmm. like, does it get much better than that? I can't imagine. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, and and that's one reason why I really like this conference, why I really like having this podcast, because I mean, that's what we get to share what we love with each other and with our listeners. And I sure as heck hope our listeners are ready for all the information and fun stuff that we're going to throw at them in this episode. Um, But that is the end of my questions. And that is the end of our time together. Are you sure? Can we ask you a question? Oh, yeah, you can ask me a question. (laughs) What is your favorite thing about working in your museum setting, 8,000 feet up, a mountain in a small community? Great question. (laughs) Thank you. That that is an excellent question. Um, And that probably, it changes from day to day. Fair. Um, But honestly, being able to share what I love with people, and then also I get to touch the things. Yeah! So, like, being the collections manager as a kid, I always wanted to, I saw the people in the museums, like, working with dinosaur bones or, like, wearing the cotton gloves. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, I want to touch the things. Oh, my gosh. And then I found out this is a career, and I was like, I'm going to touch the things. Oh, my gosh. I freaking love that. 
This reminds me of a moment that I had from experiences with other interpreters. So at our last regional conference, we got to go into the archives of our local <gasps> natural history museum. I started bawling when I held a fossilized dinosaur egg. That's in, a true story. In, I was there. In, yeah, like in front of a crowd of people. It was humiliating, but it was awesome. 10 out of 10 would ball again. <laughs> 10 out of 10. Oh, man. And those are the connections. We as museum people, we as interpreters, that's what we want to make happen. Yes. Yes. We want to make more people cry. Yep. <laughs> for good reasons. For yeah. good reasons. Uh, okay. Well, thank you, ladies, for yeah. being on our podcast show. We really enjoyed it. Is there, okay, for our audience listening, um, if you have any questions or you want us to ask, uh, send us messages. Uh, you know how to reach us. But if you guys could share how our, our listeners could reach you, that would be great. Ooh, what's the best way? Um, if What's your TikTok handle? Our TikTok handle is GPNC. Our website is gpnc.org. That stands for Great Plains Nature Center. Mm-hmm. Look us up on Facebook. Um, e- email us. Yeah, you can find all of our contact info on the for web, both of us website. on the website. It's really yeah. easy. Our podcasts and some of our like dumb, fun videos that we've made are on there, too. So, yeah, gpnc.org. So who knew the field of interpretation could be so varied yeah i mean i grew up going to museums mostly i lived Mm -hmm. in a city so there wasn't a lot of natural spaces to visit but you know going to museums you would walk through there'd be a docent or a tour guide but as an adult i feel like i've learned a lot more than i ever did as like a kid yeah i think that's that's definitely true and and there's just so many different ways that museums and interpretation can can reach out to people and i think that that these guests that we just listened to are, uh, well, they're kind of pros at that. They've got some really interesting ideas for, for outreach. Uh, I don't, we, we did talk a little bit about TikTok in the interview. If you guys haven't checked out their, uh, their TikTok page yet, they've got some pretty hilarious stuff up there. And, uh, they've also got a podcast that they've started and they're doing a lot of really cool stuff. Mm-hmm. So I think, Everybody in this field is doing some really cool stuff, and we just we scratched the surface with mm-hmm. these interviews. And so, if you if you guys, our listeners, want to hear more, let us know. Um, I absolutely love hearing from you guys. Um, and so, yeah, we want to share with what you guys want to know. So, thank you so much to everyone who visited with us on this podcast this month: uh, Topher, Dave, Caitlin, Brandon, Bonnie, Rachel, Lindsay. Whew. I think that's everybody. So sorry if we missed you. Uh, It was awesome to meet you guys at NAI, and we really look forward to hopefully connecting in the future. And so thank you to our listeners for sticking through this with us, um, our mini-series, our surprise mini-series of Rediscover the Winds, a Wyoming history podcast. And I I think I'll just add... um since I forgot to at the, in, in the rest of these episodes, if you're interested in, in what any of our guests are doing or in getting in touch with them, check out the, the notes that accompany each one of the, whatever episode they're on, we'll have contact information for them and you can reach out to them and, and make sure you tell them that you heard from about them on our great podcast. Yeah, and if you liked what you heard today, like us on Facebook at Rediscover the Winds, a Wyoming History Podcast. You can also catch us on YouTube, Facebook, Apple Podcasts, pretty much any podcasting app of your choice. And we are now fully part of the 10Cast Network, so check out 10cast.county10.com, too, for your podcasting needs. Okay. And uh... so we, since this is the last episode in our mini-series, I guess it would probably benefit our listeners and ourselves to go over the events one last time. So the Dubois Museum is hosting our holiday open house on December 7th. Uh, Join us for treats, goodies, holiday decorations, and free admission to the museum. 
on December 7th. It starts at 10, goes till 4. It's free and open to the public. And so also during our holiday open house, the Dubois Museum is hosting local author Cheryl O'Brien for a Meet the Author event. Cheryl just published her book, World War II Prisoner of War Camps in Wyoming, Will, and we'll talk about the project and sign autographs if you guys want those. And so the Meet the Author event will be 11 to 1. And then also on December 7th, a busy, busy day in Fremont County, uh, Lander is having their old time Christmas open house. Theirs is December 7th, 5 p.m. to 7 p.m., where you can enjoy Christmas music, crafts, treats, exhibits, and discounts in the gift store. So this event is also free and open to the public. Speaking of free and open to the public, on the 14th of December at the Riverton Museum, we are also having our annual holiday open house. We will also be um, inaugurating our first ever I guess walk down a Christmas Main Street kind of display. Um, we'll have our whole basement all glitzed out and ready for the holiday season. We'll have treats and games and we'll have a, a Christmas ornament that kids can make and uh, that's free and open to the public and the open house itself is from 2 to 4 p.m. again on December 14th. Tis the season to be jolly. But thanks again to all of our wonderful guests for sharing their knowledge and experiences with us. And thanks for listening to this Wyoming History Podcast. I'm your host, Kirsten from the Dubois Museum and Wind River Historical Center. And I'm Zach from the Riverton Museum. And we We look look forward forward to continuing continuing this adventure adventure to rediscover the winds winds with you next time. Nailed it.